Welcome to another episode of Awareness to Action Enneagram podcast. I am here with Maria Jose and Mario Sikora. And uh, if you clicked on this episode, then that the title is rather provocative. So we're going to talk about um, how self-awareness is not enough. And we will we will answer that question succinctly today. <laughs> or not. Um, and completely. Yeah, or not the same thing. Or not, yeah. <laughs> we will answer it. But no, yeah, okay. or, or we may not answer it and do so in a verbose <laughs> yes. way, too. So we'll, we'll wait and see. It's early. Yeah. Um, but what I'd like to start with in this conversation, we're going to start big and then, then focus in, but what is the Enneagram for ultimately? Well, it's for picking up paint palettes. And, um, you know, color schemes at uh, Sherwin-Williams and figuring out what sort of power ranger you are and, you know, those sort of things. Or at least that's what I would think based on my uh, Google alerts uh, all the time. Um, It just made me think of one time when my daughter, when she was like five, had to define what I did for a living. And, (laughs) And... it's hard for me to define what I do for a living, let alone a five-year-old kid. Yeah. And the way, and I'm not sure which of my two girls did it, but she said she helps people be happier. And mm. it's really broad, but if it doesn't make you happier and the people around you happier and more comfortable um, with your life, and as you say, Mario, flourish, then it's not helping you. And so the question that that leads to is in what way does it make you happier, right? In which way can the Enneagram make you happier? For me, the Enneagram, you know, it's a finger pointing to the moon, right? There's the old Zen saying about the finger pointing to the moon, and we tend to focus on the finger, right? Somebody's pointing to the moon saying, hey, look at that, look how beautiful it is. And we look at the finger, instead of looking at what's up in the sky. And the Enneagram can be like that. Now, we need fingers pointing to the moon. We need somebody to direct us towards something bigger or some tools that direct us towards something bigger. And the Enneagram can be like that. So the Enneagram is a tool for creating self-awareness, but then it has to be used for action, right? It has to be used for creating change. And this is a big part of it. If we're just using the Enneagram to become more aware of ourselves or to understand that our coworkers are fours and threes and twos and our partner is a six, that's nothing. Okay, that does nothing for us. What it should do is direct us to, okay, how can I use this understanding of myself to create change in some way? Yeah, to be fair, I think that as the title says, um, self-awareness is not enough, but it's still, besides being fun to know our types, I think that once you realize what your type is and somebody else's type is, you kind of treat them, there's an automatic change that may happen. Uh, But you see, you you just said you kind of treat them Right. And you were going to say you treat them differently you do. or you treat them better or something like that. Right. So it's the yes. action. What the Enneagram says to us is here's the way you tend to treat people. Yeah. So, so I, I, I think the, 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 the difference for me would be it's like almost effortlessly. Do you say it that way? 
Effortless. Effortless. You can say it that way. Yeah, effortlessly. <laughs> yeah. Almost effortlessly. I wanted a big word. I wanted a big. I wanted a big word. Uh, anyway, but without effort. Um, so it's not like a deliberate change, but it just happens because you understand them or you, yourself better. Doesn't mean. Yeah, but see, I yeah. still, I would still argue with that, Maria Jose, because it's not without effort, right? We we have to do something now. We can. We can ask ourselves, you know, so that kind of uh, without effort or with minimal effort that you're talking about, yeah, that might be a little bit of yes. change, right? But to create real change, there are other steps we have to take, okay? There's action we have to take. Yeah, so I'm totally with you. I'm just saying yeah. that self-awareness yeah. on its own create some kind of change without a lot of effort, but it's definitely not enough. Yeah. I'll, I'll give an example. Do you agree Buddhism, with me on that? Okay. No, go ahead. Um, <laughs> I, I, of course I agree with you. Um, so, um, when the Buddha taught meditation and he was teaching people to be present, to be aware, that was not the goal. Right? He wasn't saying meditate, be aware, and you'll be enlightened. No, he was saying, you have to learn to be present so you can hear the things I'm telling you that you can implement in your life and become more skillful, right? So in Buddhism, for example, there's the, uh, the Eightfold Path, which are practices that we have to do, okay? Uh, you know, right action, for example. And then there are a lot of teachings, okay? So right action means, you know, instead of treating people this way, treat them that way. So there's skill development that goes with it. And that skill development is easier from a foundation of self-awareness, okay? But that self-awareness is just a tool that you need to do the work, okay? You can't do the work without it, or you can do the work, but it's going to be a lot harder, but on its own, it's not enough. That's what you said, right? So that's what you're thinking. I can no, tell no, no. I was face. just thinking that yeah. I still believe that <laughs> when you know that, for example, if I'm dealing with you and I'm really pissed off by something that you often do, and then I realize that you're an eight, and I just stop resisting it because I just understand that it's what you do. How would you call that? So what would I call it? So I rarely see those kind of changes happen automatically, right? So, you know, we, we, we teach our clients, Maria Jose, that, you know, nobody, change is not like flipping a switch, right? It's not like we have this aha moment and all of a sudden I am different, okay? The way it works is habits are hard to break, okay? So we can say, okay, there goes Maria Jose doing her one thing again. Okay, And instead of getting angry at it or instead of getting frustrated, I'm just going to take a deep breath and I'm going to deal That's with it. That's what you've been I'm doing speak to her for way. 13 years. <laughs> and and so, 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 so what happens is over time with work, I get better at watching my own reactivity. Yeah. Okay. And instead of falling into the patterns, I, I still fall into the patterns of getting frustrated with the people around me, okay, you and you know and whoever else. But I have worked on 
and thought about and developed alternative strategies for dealing with you. Still okay. not successful. So it's not just, <laughs> well, you know, you know, it's a work in progress. So uh, like all these things. So what we teach our clients is we're not, we're not trying to just get people to change by automatically flipping a switch. You know, if you're present, you'll be enlightened and you'll automatically do the right thing. No, that's not the way it happens. What we need to do is learn to reduce the amount of time between when we fall into an old pattern and when we recognize that we fell into that old pattern and we pull ourselves out of it and we change our behavior, right? And there are tools and techniques and practices for doing that. What I'm hearing is what self-awareness does is creates the space to be able to see other options that are available to you and to act differently and to re respond differently. What self-awareness does is it gives you the capacity to observe your patterns, to observe other people's patterns for what they are and not what we might project onto them or transfer onto them or assume about them. And then it gives us the space with practice, with diligence to choose an alternative behavior and the awareness that we need to develop skills in alternative behavior, right? So for example, my communication style, I tend to be very directive, okay? I tend to be blunt. I tend to tell people what to do, okay? That is my habitual eight-ish tendency. And sometimes I'm able to pull myself out of that and remind myself, yeah, I know, I don't, it's only once in a while, but I need to <laughs> remind myself to be a little gentler and then I need to develop what those skills are, right? Instead of just saying to people, hey, go do this, stop doing that. I have to think of other ways to do it. Thinking on the, of that same example, yeah. it's interesting how change happens because you're good at giving orders and being more directive. But you're not that good at being gentler and giving orders that way. And that's what, hap that's what happens with change. We try to change it, and then we don't, we're not necessarily skillful at this new way of behaving or not as effective right. uh, as we would like to. Right. That happens to everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And the only thing I can say is I'm a little bit better today yes. than I was in the past, right? And that's all of, of a, any of us can strive for, right? Am I a little bit better today than I was yesterday or the day before? So for me, there's two kinds of change that we're striving for, okay? One is developing more virtuous habits, okay? Recognizing when our existing habitual behaviors are ineffective, and then developing more effective behaviors. I, I'll give an example, okay? All four of my sons went through these phases when they were younger, where they would chew with their mouth open, like kids do, right? You know, you know you're sitting there, kids, you know, they'll chew with their mouth open. And I say to them, chew with your mouth closed, chew with your mouth closed, chew with your mouth closed. And they say, oh, okay, right, oh, okay, right. Now, all of them chew their food with their mouth closed, okay? But it's because of practice and developing a new habit. Saying please and thank you is another one, 
right? Just as an example, okay? Automatically saying please and thank you and you're welcome and these other little niceties, okay? These are not things that people know to do and they're not things that we should think about, right? We shouldn't think. We shouldn't say, oh, I need to be present and decide whether saying please or thank you is the right thing in this situation. No, certain things should just be habits. And we should have the ability to function virtuously, to use Aristotle's term, on autopilot. Right? That's what virtuous character is all about, right? Doing the right thing without having to think about it. Okay? Now, the other piece of this is, yes, there are times when I do need the ability to be intentional. I need the awareness. I need to be able to step out and recognize, hey, wait a minute, my habitual behavior is not working. I need to step back and say, hmm, this isn't going so well. What should I do instead? And then if I don't have the skill that I need to apply in that situation, if I don't know how to talk to somebody in a kind and gentle and supportive way, I need to learn that skill. Okay, and this is what intentionality teaches us. Really, this just goes back to Kahneman's System 1 and System 2 thinking, right? We spend most of our time functioning on autopilot because our brains can't do anything else, okay? Meaning that they can't function all the time in a state of presence and awareness and intentionality because it just uses too much energy. So we have to do certain we don't things have. in System 1 which we don't have, absolutely right. You know, the, the brain uses 20% of our energy at any given time. Your brain weighs about three pounds, and I can promise you that three pounds is not 20% of my body mass, okay? So my brain uses a disproportionate amount of energy, and I my brain is always looking for ways to minimize that energy output, and developing habits is one way to do that, functioning on system one. So we have to be training both of them at the same time. I'm gonna I'm gonna attempt another analogy. Um, <laughs> You're risking uh, uh, falling from the pedestal, falling from I the know, heights right? there after the last one. Huh? <laughs> All right. Yeah. Um, what I'm hearing is there's there's two there's two ways of change, right? There's the habituated, like that we don't have to think about saying please and thank you, and then there's like oh this isn't working. And that requires self-awareness to, to name that it's not working and self-awareness to know what's, what's the, how do I change this? What's what, the next thing? Yes. And what skills do I need to develop in order to right. be more skillful when I am being intentional? So I'm seeing self-awareness almost as the key. If we have like a line of doors, self-awareness is the key to unlock a door of a path we want to go down. And the more we unlock it, the more likely it is to stay open by itself. So it's yeah. just habituated. We just go through the door. Yes. But if we keep running into the door, that's when we apply the key of self-awareness. And so it's, the key does nothing unless you apply it to the door. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Right. Okay. Um, <laughs> and look, with, with any change that we do, I mean, think back. Okay, Creek, so you're a musician, right? Um, you know, first time you picked up a guitar... You, you know, it, it's not like, okay, let me just be present and see what happens and I'm going right. to, you know, make beautiful music. No, right? It, it's, it, you know, you have to, number one, focus on what you're doing while you're learning the scales, while you're learning basic notes, basic chords. Okay, You have to pay attention. You have to look where your fingers are going and so forth. And over time, you practice that. 
okay? And it becomes non-conscious to you, I'm assuming, right? I'm assuming that you don't think about every chord you play when you're playing, mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. But if you find yourself in a novel situation and you think, hmm, you know, you're listening to, I don't know, you know, Hendrix or Eddie Van Halen or whatever, and you say, hmm, how did he do that, right? Uh, <laughs> I might as well have said Mozart, right, Creek? Is, is that what you're saying? <laughs> I mean, I, I you, respect you, them, but those are not modern guitarists, but go ahead. Well, you, you can insert, you, you know, yes. you, you can insert in the, the post-production relevant guitar yes. guitarist there. Yes. Um, so, but the point being, when there's a novel situation and you say, hmm, how did he do that? Mm -hmm. right? You've got to stop. You've got to think. You've got to learn. Okay? You've got to watch. You've got to research, whatever it is. And then you have to practice that. Mm -hmm. and, right? So this is how it works. Is we, we function consciously and deliberately in novel circumstances. And we try to function on autopilot in repeated circumstances. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. um, and there's nothing wrong with that. So I'm, I'm thinking of situations in which in, in some way I have a lot of emotions that are happening. What happens is I'm in order to metabolize those emotions, I have to become present and self-aware mm -hmm. of what's going on in order for those to process and move on. Yeah. That seems like self-awareness is the only thing I'm doing. So say again what you said, because I think you used the word process in there somewhere. Uh, metabolize. Metabolize. Is, is normally the word that I use. Okay. So Where what, is, it's, what does it's metabolize just paying mean? A, metabolizing is just paying attention to the sensation of the emotion, being with it, and then it typically dissipates. Okay. Um, and I'm able to find a more manageable spot to continue going throughout my day. Okay. So you find a more manageable spot to go. You know, so there's always some action here. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, you know, and that's the point. And again, the more you're intentional in that situation of what's a more manageable spot here, instead of doing this, I should do that. Instead of perpetuating the emotional cycle, exactly, I can metabolize the emotion. Right, and then after it's metabolized, it can. There's a whole host of actions I can take. Right, what is the more right. skillful behavior after that? How do I, how do I try to avoid this? If it was an unpleasant situation, how do I try to make sure that this happens less frequently? Right, and and I want to be, you know, really clear because we haven't talked much about emotions yet, other than this. Here, here's a way to think about it: the goal of the enneagram or a use of the Enneagram, is to help us to better identify sources of friction in the system, the human system, right? I work with a lot of engineers, okay? Engineers, they design a system, and then they look for breakdowns, they look for friction in it. And they go to that source of friction and they try to improve it so that the energy flows more efficiently okay, in the next one. The Enneagram is a kind of a decoder for friction in the human system. Okay. For you as a four, it's going to be different than it's going to be for me as an eight. Okay. For Maria Jose as a one, the friction that comes up for me will generally be about anger or vengeance or you know, more anger. Um, you different know. sorts of anger. <laughs> Frustration. <laughs> yeah. You know, but, and so when we start to feel these things, it's, it's a sign that, okay, my habitual patterns are not 
the right ones. They're not the right behaviors here. It's time to switch to system two, to pay attention, to be intentional, to ask myself, okay, what is this that's happening to me? What am I feeling? Okay. It's a sign to let it go. Okay. But not just let it work its way through, but to learn from it. What did I learn from this experience of emotion? And how can I apply that, whatever it was I learned, to be more skillful in the future and not be dragged back down into this negative emotion as frequently in the now, future? we might get trapped into the emotion of feeling guilty because of what we're doing or for being how we are. So self-awareness to me is, well, that you're laughing, Mario. Speak yeah, I know, <laughs> but not guilty, but bad because we are no, no, angry no, no, or this point, or yeah. that. And that doesn't help. To me, the Enneagram also helps us to, and this is part of change, to just normalize our behavior, not meaning that we're justifying it, but understanding that it's natural that we act that way because that's the yes. strategy we're using and then accept ourselves. If we don't do that, go through that step, or those two steps, I think change is really, really hard because we start from a place where we shouldn't be doing this or this is wrong or, well, I'm using my language, but uh, from resistance to how we are instead of accepting it and changing what we need to change. I think there's something else here, and I think this fits into our conversation, but just popped up through me. There's there's a time in my life where it's like I was I was going through something where I couldn't decide if it was the right thing or not. I couldn't decide like there's some really not so great things about this situation. There's some really great things about this situation. And one of my friends said, like, you're allowed to do anything, including figuring out what you want. And it, for for whatever reason, it, it freed me to be like, I know I'm going to be hurt in this situation. And I'm consciously going into this knowing that this situation is going to really knock me on my butt. And I'm willing to do that because I'm curious what's going to happen. And I, I guess I, I bring that up because sometimes, sometimes being aware of what you're doing doesn't mean you have to change what you're doing as long as you're aware that what you're doing is going to cost you. Um, and, and in some ways, I needed to be tired enough of the ways in which I was self-sabotaging myself. I needed to get to that point before I was willing to make a hard decision on exiting that situation. And, yeah. it, and I think that's working with with a couple different people right now where it's like they're having a really hard time getting to this one particular step but it's it's about creating enough friction in their environment of how this isn't working because you're doing this and this isn't working how you're doing this until they're like yeah you're i just can't handle this much friction anymore i'm going to make the hard decision and the hard jump so right. it's self-awareness doesn't equal the next right action it's just like maybe it's just being aware of where's all the friction and, and that will compel you to change. Yes. And if we're doing work on ourselves, we have to do work on ourselves. Mm -hmm. We have to ask ourselves, what did I learn here? And we can be compassionate in doing that work. Okay, Maria Jose's example made me think of my son who's uh, currently struggling with physics in school. And there are times when he says, ah, there must be something wrong with me 
that I don't get this. Hmm. And I say, what makes you think that you should get this Mm -hmm. until you work at it, until you learn, until you continue to study? Okay. Uh, So it's, you should forgive yourself for being where you are because you're doing the best you can. And then there are steps you can take to continue to grow. There are techniques you can apply to accelerate that growth. And then there is the will involved in doing it. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, so for, for me, this is the thing, right? And, um, you know, and I do have kind of a pet peeve, right? And I can fall into this kind of, you know, grumpy old Mario thing uh, around this just, you know, oh, just be present. Everything will be fine. Um, because that's not the, all there is to it. It mm-hmm. is a fundamentally important and necessary first step. But it's the first step in telling us, okay, I need to take this behavior, put it into my virtuous habit practice, you know, uh, agenda. And then I have to learn the ability to be self-aware so that I can figure out what skills I need to be more intentional and skillful in other areas. Mm-hmm. I told someone, someone the other day, like just approving of a situation isn't the same thing as accepting or allowing a situation. Absolutely right. Absolutely. And from that, then you can, from that awareness, you can move into action. <laughs> this is right, man. Hence, hence the name, right? Um, look, yes. th- this is what it's all about, okay? And for me, if, if, if it's not just awareness, okay? It's awareness to action because mm-hmm. you know, you've got a life to live, okay? And mm-hmm. you will flourish and you will be happy if you are more skillful, Okay, if you have more skills at interpersonal relationships, you will be happier. If you have more skills at how to be effective at work, how to manage your day-to-day circumstances, you will be happier. Okay, I just understand why people want to be happy. That's (laughs) (laughs) the best stuff is when you're sad. I mean, well, as sad as you want. Well, you'll be better at being sad, Creek. Okay, okay. Because okay, okay. you'll think of even more things to be sad at, and you will, you will, you yes. will master the art of melancholy. Mm, that's where I want to be. Um. So, if we're talking about change, um, it just made me think about at least when I'm working with clients, an enabler, and with myself, an enabler of change is truly seeing the costs of not changing. There's no cost. It's really hard to change. And we'll probably talk about that yeah. in the next episode. But but I think that when there's no cost to continuing as we are, why change? Yeah. And I think and I think that was kind of what I was trying to get at. You put it at put it much more succinctly. But there was not a large enough cost yet for me to make an uncomfortable decision yes. of leaving. Yes. Um and my friend was just saying, well, just continue to pay attention to all the different ways that it costs you until that total yeah. is just so sky high that it's the stupidest, like, it's the stupidest thing to stay yeah. in it. And even in that paying attention, there's an evaluation that's occurring, mm-hmm. right? It's it's not just a, 
okay, it's what it is. But you're learning something from it. You're saying, hey, wait a minute, right. I'm suffering more than I thought. Okay. Um, so, again, awareness has to lead to something. Okay? Or it should. Otherwise, it's just self-absorption. Mm, right? Yeah. You know, there's a big difference between self-awareness and self-absorption. And self-absorption is, hey, I'm going to think a lot about me and I'm going to look deep inside to myself, but I'm not going to do anything about it. I'm going to still continue to be a jerk. And there's plenty of these people out there. There are plenty of people who are hugely self-aware and they're still assholes. Okay? Mm -hmm. Because they just don't change. They don't work to get better. Yeah. In fact, the, you know, the psycho-spiritual world is filled with enlightened predators. Okay? Hmm. Not filled, but there are plenty of them out there. Okay? Right. How many times do we hear about gurus who, you know, swim in the sea of self-awareness? And yet they're not great people. So this has been a very lively conversation. Uh, let's let's find a way to bring this all together into a neat little package that people can take home with them. Stay as you are. Don't do okay. anything. You're fine. <laughs> it's just all too much work. Go back to watching Netflix and forget all about it. You know, sometimes that is, is the right call. You it know? is the right call. And, yeah. Coping is not always bad. You're absolutely right. So, so here's the thing. Here's how I'll try to wrap this up. Okay, number one, the brain takes up a lot of energy. What it seeks to do is to create habits and minimize the amount of time in which we have to be quote-unquote conscious and intentional. And that is okay. There's a lot to be said for functioning on autopilot. But we have to learn to recognize when we are on autopilot in a dysfunctional way and then create patterns of autopilot or habit that are virtuous, meaning they make our lives better. Again, saying please and thank you, brushing your teeth, exercising in the morning, whatever it is, create habits that make your life better that you don't have to think about. You don't have to be quote unquote present for. Okay? Now there's another piece of this because sometimes we do need to be present because those things, those habits don't work. They're good for one situation, but not for another. And self-awareness training helps us to recognize the signals, usually emotion-based signals, or reactions from other people around us, negative reactions, that say, hey, wait a minute, pay attention to this, okay? Act intentionally. Use skills that you have or identify skills that you need in order to be able to address these other situations, be it our physics homework, be it learning to play the guitar, whatever it is, so that we can be more skillful, okay? Recognize that you don't have to be aware all the time. Habit is fine. Sometimes just vegging out in front of Netflix is completely fine. And other times we need to be intentional in our interactions. So how do I get rid of my ego, Mario? <laughs> I think that's a topic for next episode. Yes. 
Uh, yeah, well, tune back in next week. We're going to continue this conversation on another on another level. That's going to be um, spicy. So uh, <laughs> from uh, from us to you, listener, I hope you're having a great week and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to the Awareness to Action Enneagram podcast. If you're interested in more information or talking to Mario, MJ, or myself, feel free to reach out to us through the links in the show notes or by emailing info at awarenesstoaction.com. All episode transcriptions and further information can be found at awarenesstoaction.com slash podcast. 